This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and thank you for joining us here on Odyssey Sports. That's right, it's Big Time Baseball with me, Cody Decker, former professional baseball player turned professional smartass on the radio, and with me, the one, the only, you see him everywhere. You see his writing, you see his reporting, you see him on MLB Network. He is the incredible John Heyman. John, how you doing, buddy? Cody, it's always a pleasure. It's mostly tweeting more than writing now at the moment, but yes. <laughs> Well, that seems like that is the new form of actual <laughs> communication and new form yes. of journalism at this point. And yes, I work hard at Twitter for no money. It's like my old job delivering papers. Hey, it gets the job done, off and you get no money out of it. But, uh, but it gets okay. it gets it gets the job done, done John. Yes. Because here's yes. here's the fact: every day, the, the most tweets I see, the most important tweets that are most impactful to me and my life on a daily basis. Believe it or not. Follow at John Heyman because that's where I'm getting the most important information that pertains to my life now. And it's the off season. The hot stove is burning. We have so much to cover today. We got some reactions to the AL MVP, the NL MVP. Of course, some other awards we're going to talk about. The hot stove, again, going crazy. And the shortstop market through the roof, not to mention the outfield market. There is just so much going on. And we can't sit here and pretend that there isn't a possible work stoppage looming coming December 1st. There is just so much taking place, and it's incredible because we're only a couple of weeks into the offseason. So, John, let's get right into it. First, first of all, I want to say you're a very positive guy, Cody. I really appreciate that, that you said a possible work stoppage. Like <laughs> I'm trying You've to already be- made my day because I'm going to think I'm going to pretend that you have some inside from information that we could avoid this work stoppage, and I'm going to feel good for the day. Don't tell me otherwise. I'm just going to assume there's some inside information, and you feel there's a chance we're going to avoid this lockout. So there is definitely no chance we're avoiding the lockout. <laughs> no, no, what did I just say? Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, that. sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, it's going to happen. We're going to avoid it entirely. We're gold. Oh, okay. We're All gold. Right. In fact, season's right. starting in two weeks. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> oh man, I, I what gold. I would give. What I would give, but uh, let's just get right out to the gate, uh, John. Let's talk about the reactions to some of these awards that have come out. First things first, we're just going to start with the no-duh segment of the show, and let's just talk about AL and NL MVP, Shohei Otani, Bryce Harper. John, was there even a question in your mind? There was no question uh, for Otani. I mean, he was clearly the MVP, got all 30 votes, which I was surprised because, you know, when I kept saying... I probably started in June saying that he was the MVP, and I got a lot of pushback, but that's from fans. It's not from journalists. And, you know, by the end, I think it was clear, you know, there there were people who were holding out if, if Vlad Guerrero had won the Triple Crown and the Toronto had gotten into the playoffs. Now, they only missed by one game, but uh, if they'd gotten into the playoffs and he maybe won the Triple Crown, maybe he would have gotten some votes, but... To me, Otani had an all-time great season, maybe the greatest season of all time. I mean, we've never seen anybody do this, at least not in our lifetime. But, uh, 
can only imagine what Babe Ruth uh, did as well. And that's kind of what we saw with Otani. Uh, Bryce Harper, I did vote for Bryce Harper. I had that vote. And, uh, you know, I was I was with Tatis up until maybe early September. And I finally switched. And, you know, I looked at it every few days. I mean, you really get neurotic about these things. You don't want to embarrass yourself. And you certainly want to, you know, put your best foot forward and make the right pick. So I had Harper first, which I thought he would win. and. Uh, the one semi-controversial thing where I got a little pushback, I had Crawford second because, you know, I'm old-fashioned. I still count winning, and uh, he ended up finishing fourth. But, I mean, people were screaming. I mean, I'm only imagining they're screaming because it's Twitter, but that uh, I had him second, and he should be fourth behind uh, Tatis and Soto. But I had him ahead because uh, he's a great defender. His team won 107 games. He was consistent all the way through. And, uh, you know, I just thought Harper – uh, really carried his team in that second half with an 1,188 OPS in the second half, almost getting them into the playoffs. Uh, they had no right to be in the playoffs. They're a real top-heavy team. So uh, I agreed with the picks, and I made one of the picks, so it was easy for me. I agree with the picks as well. You know, I was like you. I was on Tatis Jr. the entire season. It wasn't quite middle of September. It was about the end of August, early September that I started to really start to change my mind a little bit, seeing what Harper was doing, like you said, carrying that ball club towards the end of the season, almost making them a playoff contender. And they, again, were not a playoff contender last season. Um, and, and then, of course, Juan Soto, another incredible season for him. But when I just looked at the numbers at the end of the day, I, I felt like I had to eat crow at the end of the season and tell everybody, guys, I've been wrong this whole time. It's going to be Bryce Harper. What a monster year. And you know what's something that I think we we all kind of overlook? Because Bryce Harper has been a true success story. Two MVPs. But this was a guy that I was 16 years old on the cover of Sports Illustrated touting him to be the future. How often do you see somebody that young touted to be the future and it turns out to be right? The the absolute incredible amount of pressure that must have been on this guy going into his professional career had to be off the charts. I mean, amazing. And uh, yeah, you're right. He has lived up to it. Absolutely. Came up as a teenager. I remember writing a column saying, this is too soon. What did I know? I was wrong. He was pretty darn good even that first year. And he's had two very special seasons. First MVP was uh, obvious and fantastic. And this one, you know, he had a 1,050 OPS, which was better uh, than Soto and Tatis. And Soto and Tatis were on teams that imploded. Uh, Soto's team imploded early and Tatis's team imploded late and was a real disappointment. You know, I know some people are going to say it's just about the best player, but you know what? Harper was the best player. So you can't really argue with that. And uh, you're, and you're right about sports illustrated. I mean, I'm old enough to you, you, you won't remember this. Neither will Dylan, our producer, uh, when uh, Bruce Hardy, I believe his name was, was on the cover of sports illustrated as a schoolboy athlete. This is going back probably 40 years ago. And, um, you guys probably don't remember Bruce Hardy, I'm sure, but he, <laughs> he ended up uh, having a nice career in the NFL. Um, you know, he's a nice player, but, uh, you know, people remember, at least us people over 50 remember that he was a Sports Illustrated cover boy as a schoolboy athlete. The other one I remember early and, and he ended up be- becoming, uh, more successful as a manager was Clint Hurdle. Yes. And, yes, uh, absolutely. He was a baseball player in uh, Florida and uh, he was going to be the superstar, and it did not pan out. He did become a major leaguer, which you did as well, uh, Cody. So congratulations to you for that. Oh, and he, he he got a little more than a cup of coffee. He had a probably a Danish with his coffee, uh, and uh, you know he had a, he had a, a career as he got to the majors. I mean, to me, I'm impressed. 
but he, he, his real career was as a manager and as a kidding coach. So, uh, but yeah, they, they were no uh, Bryce Harper in terms of their performance as uh, athletes. Yeah. And then kind of, t- uh, Piggybacking off of these AL and M- NL MVPs that we consider no duh, let's look at the Comeback Player of the Year awards. Buster Posey, I think there's not going to be a whole lot of argument about what he did on the NL side. You know, he, sk- he skipped out on the 2020 60-game season, comes back this year, and absolutely helps that team get over the limit to get to the playoffs, winning their division. You know, that's a team, by the way, the San Francisco Giants, the previous season in 60-game season, missed the playoffs by one game. And I keep thinking, what if they had Buster Posey in that 2020 season? Would we be talking about a different World Series champion other than the Dodgers? And it's one of those things that we'll never know, but you can't you can't uh, ever look at what he's done for that team. Adding Buster Posey to that team uh, is just night and day. And part of me is kind of sad to say, well, you know, I am sad to see him uh, hang up the spikes, but comeback player of the year, Buster Posey, National League. To me, it was kind of an obvious choice. What do you think, John Hammond? Yeah, I do. I agree with it. Both obvious choices. And uh, you, you're right. I mean, if the Giants had gotten in, you never know. If you get in, you you might win. Look at the Braves this year. And, you know, obviously they were a very good team in the second half, and we probably all underrated them to a degree. Uh, um, Tony and I both picked them to win the division, but when they lost to Cunha, we gave up on them. So you never know. And the Giants are a team that won three World Series when they weren't the best team. And this year, when they were the best team, they exited in the first round. Um, so you never know what they might have done. And I think Posey was the right choice. I'm a little surprised he retired, but uh, more power to him. I think he's a Hall of Famer. That's probably a, a debate or a, or a story for another day, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. And you know what? If he comes back in uh, 2023, he could be comeback player of the year again. I think there there has been somebody who's won comeback player of the year a couple times, right? I can't think of who it is, but is it him? It might be him because he had that terrible injury, right? Yeah, that injury and when he, he broke his back, ankle. And maybe it was him that, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but he might have, this might be a second already. Maybe he can make it three uh, comeback players of the year. I don't know. Maybe Dylan can look that up. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, terrific player, uh, really a great leader and had a fantastic uh, swan song was terrific this year. Um, You know, I realize we're on live uh, right now and uh, your, your uh, comment about how we skipped out on the season. I know that was uh, quick. (laughs) He, he opted out during a pandemic, so I don't. I, I know you didn't oh, mean I, it. I, I, I know you didn't mean that. Yeah, if it, made, it makes it, yeah, if it makes it sound like I was a because no, I know how much, No, I know how much respect you have for him. Uh, you, I mean, skipped could mean something different to different people. In my generation, it sounds like he, you know, he he, was, he didn't take it seriously. But knowing him, oh. he did, and he's got I think a couple twins, couple sets of twins. So he's got a lot going on, and I uh, can't blame him. More power to him, and to me, he's a hall of famer. And John, you are right. Posey won it back in 2012, two-time wow, right. Comeback Player of the Year award winner. Not many people and do that. <laughs> no, and and I can't stress this enough. You're right, John. Skipped out is definitely the wrong <laughs> phrase. Uh, what I meant was obviously opted out due to the pandemic. Right. You know, I you can't blame any player for that making that decision. What's best for them and best for their families. And I, res- I 100% respected it. And, you know, well, look, we got out of it. We got uh, a Comeback Player of the Year award out of it. An amazing final season. Three World Series for that guy. And I'm with you. I do believe he is a Hall of Famer. Um, June, just to piggyback on that as well, though, the real great story of the year, in my opinion, is this. And that is Comeback Player of the Year in the American League. Yeah. Trey Mancini. Right. No question about it. It's just the best story, in my opinion, in all of sports. Seeing him in the Home Run Derby 
seeing the success that he had this season in Baltimore in a year where Baltimore did not have a lot to write home about. Um, I just, I, I couldn't be a bigger Trey Mancini fan if I tried, and I am just thrilled that he's been getting this recognition, and I hope it just continues for him. Absolutely. What a great guy, and he's actually one of, we usually have executives as guests or managers. He was one of two active players that we've had as a guest, and he was terrific. We had Mike Yastrzemski as well, and Trey Mancini, what a great individual and uh, uh, fantastic. So glad that uh, he recovered and had a very nice year after missing 2020. Uh, Just a terrific individual, uh, and you're right, uh, it's nice that Baltimore had a couple nice stories this year with Mullins also. Uh, Mount Castle had a nice year as a rookie. It uh, wasn't really in contention for the rookie of the year, but I know people in Baltimore were distressed about that, but there were better rookies this year. But Mancini, uh, fantastic, had stage three colon cancer to come back from that and perform as he did. Uh, just terrific. Yeah, what an incredible story. And just to round up this no-duh section of the show, <laughs> uh, a two-year extension has been put in place for Alex Cora. I think uh, the Red Sox have been nuts not to do it. I think we all expected it. I mean, you can't deny that what Alex Cora is to the Red Sox organization. Yeah, I mean, he's a managing savant in my mind. Just a terrific strategist. You just, I mean, you never know who's going to be a great manager, who's going to be able to take to it. I mean, he's a great leader, so much respect in that clubhouse. Um, And, you know, normally... Uh, options are not picked up early. There really isn't an advantage to picking up an option. I guess if it's a manager, you don't want a lame duck manager. So they could have picked up one uh, option, but they picked up both options. And my understanding, $3 million a year. Um, So they obviously have tremendous faith in him. And why not? He deserves it. Uh, One of the best managers in the game. No question about that. And one big suggestion for any listener listening right now, look up Alex Cora's career because he was a hell of an infielder. And I know Joey Cora was probably the more popular of the Cora brothers, but I will say Alex Cora, I, he, when he played for the Los Angeles Dodgers at one point, Alex Cora is responsible for the single greatest at bat I have ever watched in my life. <laughs> a lot of fouls, right? A lot of fouls. About a 21-pitch at bat that yeah. ended with a home run over the right field wall. It is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and Alex Cora, obviously, arguably the best manager in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I Congratulations would agree with you on that. And you know what? I, I, Joey Cora, who's currently unemployed, uh, he was let go as the Pirates. I believe he was the third base coach with the Pirates. And uh, he is a terrific baseball mind, too. I worked with him briefly at MLB Network. And uh, what a smart guy, Vanderbilt guy. And uh, Omar Mania tells me that uh, Joey Cora is actually a better strategist than Alex Cora. Um, you know, I hope he gets a, an opportunity at some point to manage. Uh, and in terms of playing careers, I think Joey, Joey did have the better playing career. I, I know that at bat made a big impression on you. Uh, but Joey Cora was a pretty good player. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't say Former a star. All-star. Yeah, I, I, he was an all-star. Okay. 1997. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he was a pretty pretty good player. And I remember uh, Alex Rodriguez, whatever you think of him, saying uh, that Joey Cora was a leader on those Mariners teams and really helped him a lot early in his career. So uh, uh, he's terrific, and I hope he gets a chance somewhere. I don't know. You know, you'd think his brother uh, would be – that would make sense, but maybe they don't like that nepotism thing. Some teams like nepotism. Other teams don't. Yeah, I've seen it work and I've seen it not work yeah, at the exact same time. Yeah, you don't want it to time. not work. Yeah, you don't want it to not work. I'll say. Yeah, that. that 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 adds a very very interesting situation when it comes to Thanksgiving when you fire your brother at some point. <laughs> 
And on top of that, I will tell you also, Joey Cora's playing career, I was such a big, you know, it was the 90s. I grew up in the 90s and I was a huge Seattle Mariners fan like any kid that grew up in the 90s. And Joey Cora was that leadoff man for that Seattle Mariners team. Right. He also had the coolest batting stance in Major League Baseball. I used to mimic <laughs> it all the time because yeah. that's what we did back then. He was a terrific player, a little fellow, smaller than Alex even, and uh, really... Uh, really was a terrific two-way player with the White Sox, I believe as well, wasn't he with the White Sox? I'm not sure. He he coached with the White Sox, I know, uh, mm -hmm. under Ozzie Guillen and uh, really probably did all the work uh, at that point. So, <laughs> that's off the well, record. That's off uh, the record. Well, we'll edit it out. <laughs> well, let's get on to the other things that are taking place. And this is actually a segment of the show I'm going to call Peel Back the Curtain because we get a rundown every week from our great producer, Dylan, who does an incredible job with us. And Dylan is a Mets fan. And I want to point out when I say peel back the curtain, it says right here, it's really cool to see the Clippers, I mean Angels, making significant <laughs> moves to address their needs. That is the most Mets fan statement possible. He is so unhappy. Noah yeah. Syndergaard is now right. a Los Angeles Angel of Anaheim, along with Aaron Loop. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I really loved the Aaron Loop pickup. Obviously, I like the Syndergaard pickup as well for the Angels, especially if yeah. he can come back healthy. But Aaron Loop has been arguably the best reliever in Major League Baseball for the past two seasons. Oh, I mean, he was almost unhittable uh, this past year. I think uh, left-handed batters got like one or two RBIs against him or one or two extra base hits. Uh, um, he had like 95 against them this year. He had a 95 uh, ERA, 0 0.95 ERA this year. Incredible. So, and the Angels really had struggled in that area. So that will be a big help for them. That's huge. And it's a lot of money, two, two years, 17 million. The Mets weren't anywhere near that. Um, they were not going to go anywhere close to that. So um, he did have a lot of interest, but uh, that was the most interest. And, you know, the Angels, I think their strategy is to go short-term, uh, high dollar per year. And uh, obviously they did that with Syndergaard. I was one of those who was surprised that he, was able to turn down the qualifying offer and get more money. I was wrong there. Uh, give it up to Noah for doing that. He threw two innings over the last two years, <laughs> and he got $21 million out of it. He got $10.5 million, uh, $10 million an inning, uh, which I think is more, more than even Verlander got. I don't know. Verlander got $50 million uh, after throwing six innings over the last two years. Uh, so that's only 8.3, I believe, something like that, million per inning. Uh, it's a great it's a great time to be a, a, a talented pitcher, and Noah Syndergaard certainly is that. I mean, the upside is there. Uh, the moxie is there. I get it. Uh, it could work out big, but, you know, it's a gamble for somebody who only threw two innings with no breaking balls last year. But I'm rooting for Noah. I don't know if you noticed. You, you follow my Twitter, but Noah and I have become fast friends on Twitter. Uh, he does great tweets. I think he's the best tweeter among active uh, ball players uh, a very entertaining fellow and uh when i i said that i was surprised he, he got the qualifying offer and expected him to take it he had a funny tweet with that and then uh you know obviously disagreed with me and he was right i was wrong and uh you know it went from there with the uh, comments with mike francesa we won't get into the whole thing but uh the last tweet from uh was that uh uh, he's I'm his new bestie, basically. So uh, I, I really appreciated that. And uh, he's got like 1.2 million followers. And I'll tell you how good a tweeter is. I, I mean, he hasn't he basically hasn't pitched in two years, uh, but he's got a lot to say. He's very entertaining. 
Well, and he's also got that wonderful book club, and everybody's got to join Noah Syndergaard's <laughs> book club, first things first. But I'm going to agree with you, John, on one thing that you said especially. I actually really like this move from the Angels. I like these short-term deals, a little bit of high value. I know they're spending a lot for the years, uh, the AAVs, but this is a team that did draft 20 pitchers last year in 20 rounds, 20 full-on pitchers. <laughs> I think I think this is a team that's looking to spend some money short-term on arms and hopefully develop these arms to the point where you know they can be a self-sustainable organization because they just haven't been for the past 15 years. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, Perry Manasian, the relatively new GM, has been able to convince the owner, Artie Marino, we got to do something about the pitching. I mean, this has been going on a decade there with the pitching problems that they've had. And Artie is probably the most involved owner, so he's in the middle of everything and certainly was in the middle of the Pujols and all these signings they had, other than uh, Wilson, the pitcher from uh, Texas that they got, um, you know, he, he signed for $75 million, I think, but all these big signings, they've all been hitters, mostly outfielders, Upton and Hamilton and uh, Gary Matthews Jr., uh, for $50 million. I mean, mm-hmm. Pujols, uh, you know, some people will tell you that Pujols was really good for the first four years or so, and, you know, he was certainly good for the, getting the TV contract, and maybe it's worthwhile just for that, but, I mean, the 10-year deal, I mean, we're not going to see a 32-year-old uh, first baseman get a 10-year deal anymore, um, but Artie Moreno just uh, went for the big names, went for the hitters, and they never have put together a decent pitching staff. And it's a shame. I mean, Mike Trout's the best player in the game. I mean, I guess you could argue Otani is now, but uh, Mike Trout has been the best player in the game, and he's got like nine at-bats in the postseason. I covered that series against the Royals. He got one hit, and it's a shame. So I'm glad that Perry Manasian is uh, focused on pitching, and they're letting him focus on pitching, and uh, maybe there are more moves to come for the Angels. Yeah, I hope so, because right now, it seems like, especially in the AL West, this is the time to strike. It seems like Seattle is ready to go. It seems like the A's are ready to punt for the next couple of years. It seems as though that the Astros are definitely going to still be at the top of that. And the Texas Rangers, we don't know what they're going to do yet. But looking forward into this offseason, I mean, so far, we've seen that the Angels have been a little aggressive. I mean, if you can call two moves so far aggressive, but so far, they're the team that's been the loudest. Who do you think is going to be more aggressive or as aggressive as the Angels? Because you know A.J. Preller is in the wings somewhere looking to do some things. (laughs) The Giants have already made two moves yesterday, signing two more pitchers. We're hearing news about Mats possibly going to the Mets. Mets are actually around a lot of names. Who do you think is going to be a little bit more aggressive? In fact, you and I discussed, I believe, yesterday a little bit about the Yankees and whether or not they're going to be aggressive. This is going to be a very interesting offseason. What are you thinking? What are you hearing? What do you think is going to be the team that's going to really make some moves? Well, the teams that are going to spend, I think, um, pretty clearly Detroit, who already did with Rodriguez. They're in the middle of a shortstop. Uh, market. They probably will get one of the shortstops. Texas, they have a lot of money to spend. Evan Grant documented that, and they are going to spend big money. Obviously, we've seen the Giants. Uh, the Blue Jays, I mean, they're still hoping to get Ray and, and or Simeon, so that's big money, obviously, and uh, it's a big market team. Um, I do think the Mets, uh, they want to win. I mean, Steve Cohn is now there, and he's made it clear that uh, Billy Epler has the funds to go get some uh, reinforcements and they need plenty. So, uh, you know, they're going to spend and, and, and the Dodgers, I mean, if you're a Dodger, what a great time to be a Dodger fan. I mean, you're a Santa Monica guy. So, uh, you know, out there, uh, when I was in San Diego, I asked Andrew Friedman about uh, the spending going forward with the $270 million payroll. He basically said it was fluid. That was the word that he used. 
In his case, what that means is he goes to the owner, Mark Walter, and if Mark Walter uh, generally approves what Andrew Friedman suggests, which, you know, I can't really blame him. Andrew Friedman has done a terrific job. They won 106 games following up on the World Series championship. So they're going to be aggressive, obviously. I mean, you've got Seeger and you've got Scherzer and you've got Jansen and Kershaw as free agents. So uh, we know they're going to be aggressive. Um, we think Seattle's going to be aggressive. We're not sure. Uh, I'm not as confident as them in them as their fans will tell you, as others are. They're <laughs> um, boy, they're all over me. I, they had a negative 50 run differential. It's nice to win 90 games, but how'd you do it? Um, they yeah. did it. You know, the players showed a lot of heart. I mean, they really did. The manager service did a good job. They're not, to my mind, they were a 90-win team, but they're not that kind of a talented team, I, I, in my opinion. The Phillies yeah. are going to spend outfield. Obviously, bullpen they need as well. So, I mean, we got a lot of teams that are going to be aggressive, and I think we're seeing that early on with the pitchers. The pitchers are the ones that are most coveted at this point. Yeah, and I'm no- and we are noticing that, that the pitchers are extremely coveted, despite the fact that we have a market right now flooded with arguably, and correct me if I'm wrong, do you remember a shortstop market being this big in one season? No, I don't remember any position being this uh, impressive in terms of the market. Uh, and, you know, Lindor got signed up. They could have, Lindor could have been in this as well. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the, the, as it turns out, they overpaid for him. And uh, the result of it is now that uh, Correa and Seager, the top two guys on the shortstop market, both want to get paid uh, above that. And you know what? They are better players, in my opinion, than Lindor. Uh, I don't know. You may have a different opinion of that. But I, I think as we sit here today, Correa and Seager, I would rank them higher than Lindor. As would uh, I. Yeah, okay. Well, that may, maybe I'm right. Um, in any case, they're looking in that ca- in that category. Will they get it? I, I'm not so sure. We'll see. I mean, right at this point, it looks like Seager is very popular, and the Dodgers want to bring him back. Correa, we know, was offered that low ball $160 million, thanks to Mark Berman's report. That's not going to get it done. That's his own team doing that. And L.A. is only focused on – it's Seager or bust for the Dodgers. You know, if they mm-hmm. get Seager, they'll use Seager at short – and Turner will play second. If they don't get Seager, Turner will play. Sh- will be at short, and Lux will be at second. Um, you know, some other teams think that if they bring Seager back, they might trade Turner. I think that's unlikely uh, because uh, you know there's not going to be much time if we have a lockout. Yeah. Whatever, you know, and, <laughs> and they like him. I mean, they, there's no question that he did. He performed very well. He was in what is he fifth or sixth in MVP voting. And, uh, you know, he's a terrific player. But if you bring Seager back, one of the advantages to having Turner was that um, he was the insurance in case you lose Seager. So they won't have that issue anymore. And Seager will presumably sign to a nine-year deal or whatever at that point. And, you know, other teams are going to be looking to to make a move on that. Now, Baez, he was hit and miss, certainly, with uh, – the Cubs, but he played very well for, for the Mets. I mean, the 290 on base went up to 370 with the Mets, and he's got a, a pretty nice market. I mean, there are teams looking at him, including Boston and Detroit and many others. I still like him going back to the Cubs, and nobody else agrees with me on that. Nobody thinks I'm right, but we'll see. Uh, story, we'll see. He didn't have his usual year. A terrific two-way player, great defender, great hitter, great talent, but he did not have his usual year. You know, to me, he looks like a backup and a plan in some of these places. Obviously, Houston's going to need a shortstop. Um, you know, 
perhaps them. Uh, you know, we, we know the Yankees are looking at these shortstops. They want to go short term, though, I think, generally. That's why I think they look like Semyon the best, although my understanding is Semyon is looking for a seven or eight years. That's not that short term, but he is, uh, I believe, 30 years. He's over 30 anyway. Uh, he's about 30 years old, so he's a little older than the others. Correa and Seeger, particularly, are, are quite young, uh, being 27 years old. Um, so uh, there's a lot going on here. The Yankees are involved. The Dodgers are involved. The uh, Texas certainly involved, and you know, story is from Arlington, Texas, so we've connected them to uh, him, him to them, and Correa we've connected to Detroit with the AJ Hinch thing, and they just had breakfast. I don't know if we're reading too much into that, but my understanding with Detroit, as I've written, tweeted, whatever you want to call it, they do not want to spend the three hundred million for one person. So maybe Correa signs there and doesn't get three hundred million. Maybe they change their mind. He goes over three hundred million, but. That seems to be about the right price uh, for Correa, based on everything. The defense, I think he had the top war for position players in the American League this year. Pretty darn good player, although at this point there seems to be more activity with Seager. You know, I have noticed, and this is something I have, I will say, and I've said this many times when I played, uh, there's only a couple of guys I ever shared a field with or played with or against that I just thought, this guy is on a different level than everyone else on this field. And it it's not necessarily only talent. It's everything. There's something about this guy that is just, might not even be quantifiable, but also has all the quantifiable things as well. And that is Carlos Correa. When I'm playing against Carlos Correa, it was like I wasn't playing the same sport as this guy. And the only <laughs> other time I really felt that was playing against Mike Trout towards the end of his minor league career to which when he goes up to the big leagues. It's like, okay, he's not... He's never coming back. No, um, he's just—it's—it's it's incredible how good Carlos Correa is. As, as selfishly, I kind of think I love the idea of him going to Detroit. Uh, Corey Seager, I think the market is there for him, but you know the Dodgers want to bring him back. And you brought up the fact the Dodgers' options right now are ridiculous. The fact that they can let Corey Seager walk and they're going to be perfectly fine—that's just yeah. how good the Dodgers currently are. Trevor Story is an incredibly pardon the, the expression, he's an incredibly interesting story. You know, the whole thing with the with the um, Colorado Rockies and him getting away from them right now. And it doesn't, I don't think the market's going to be there. And I, you know, I spoke with Joel Sherman yesterday and he had this idea that he might end up taking a one-year short-term deal with the Yankees and maybe re-hit the market next year with a not flooded shortstop market. And to me, that sounds like a great idea, but you bring up the fact that he is from Arlington. So the Rangers would be a phenomenal fit. There is just... So many question marks. And oh, and by the way, I didn't even mention Javi Baez or Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon, who is arguably right up there in the MVP voting this season. It's going to be an exciting offseason with a weird gap because it's going to be, I think the market's just going to be go, 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 pause. Go, 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 season. It's going to be, you it's going to be a unique, unique offseason. Well, we're going to have a lull there because we do expect this lockout to occur on December mm -hmm. 1 or 2. So we're, gonna, we're having a lot of activity now, which is cool, and much more than we usually do around Thanksgiving time. And we're going to see some decent signings. I saw people report, someone reported that Semyon and Seeger could go before the lockout. Uh, or That seems unlikely still to me, but uh, even to even bring that up as a possibility shows you how different this offseason is. Some guys want to get done, you know, and not, don't want to have to think about it all through the lockout. And you can't really can't really blame them. Um, 
at Korea. It's not going to get done in this period, I'm sure. It doesn't seem like the market is forming quickly. That doesn't mean it won't be a great market. I'm with you. I think he's a fantastic player. I said on Twitter about a month ago, I thought he was the best defender in baseball in any position, and uh, he did win the Platinum Glove, even though I got a lot of, of course you get a lot of pushback on Twitter like I'm an idiot. He won the Platinum <laughs> Glove, guys, you know? I mean, he's certainly in the conversation. Uh, and I appreciate the fact you were on the field with him and, and saw that. I, I did see A-Rod say he was the LeBron of baseball. I think that's probably a friend talking. There is no LeBron of baseball. Baseball isn't that kind of game where one player can dominate a game or win a championship. Otherwise, you, you mentioned Mike won. Trout has only played eight playoff right. games. Right. Right. That's yeah, it. it's, incre- it's incredible. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Korea. Yeah, I don't see him as LeBron of the game. And like you no, said, baseball is just not good. built that way. No, it's, it's a sport. It's not him. He's a great, great player. But there is no player like Mickey Mantle, who I saw play. You guys didn't see him. He, he wasn't the LeBron. It doesn't, it, it, it's not that kind of a sport. I mean, it, it might be if you if, if you could send up the same guy to a bat for every at bat, but you got to wait your turn in baseball. It's a different game. A name that is out there right now that everyone seems to be on, and 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 John, I'd like this. I'd like some insight here because I think he's a hell of a ball player. I do think there's a great market for him, but I was surprised with how many p- teams are seem to be interesting in startling Marte. Um, what what insight can you yeah. give me on on him and why so many teams see him as a fit? Yeah, I think there are two things there. A huge finish. He was fantastic for Oakland, as he was for Miami. He had a, had a great uh, first half with Miami. I think even better in some regard for Oakland. I mean, for a while he he had stolen all these bases and never been thrown out. And even the A's, the Moneyball A's, I think appreciated. Not that they're going to resign him. They're not. Um, obviously, they're trading off pieces, but. Um, it's it's his great platform year, and it's the fact that in this market, he happens to be a unique player. There aren't great center fielders, and there are a lot of outfielders, right? I mean, Castellanos, Conforto, Avisael Garcia, um, you know, Peterson, Soler. Um, you know, there, there is a ton of good to very good outfielders out there um, to get, and uh, but in terms of center, Schwarber, in terms of center field, uh, there's one that stands alone. It's, I would say it's the same with catcher. Jan Gomes is really the so by far and away the best catcher who's on the free agent market. Uh, I think all the catchers are going to do okay because they're just uh, they're, the need uh, outweighs the supply. But uh, he's by far and away the best catcher. Is he a superstar? No. Uh, but Marte is both going for him. He is a big star. And he is a unique player on this market, being a very good center fielder. And, you know, we see Texas is involved in Houston, Phillies, Mets, Yankees, Miami. But I heard their offer was a bit light for him. They seem to be concentrating on getting their own pitcher, Alcantara, done. And they probably will get that done. Um, They have terrific pitching. They need hitting some way, somehow. But, uh, you know, you know, there was that one year where the previous regime dived in and spent money like crazy and tried to spend even more money uh, in, in Miami. And then they gave that huge deal to Stanton. But I don't think, I think looking at the books now more reasonably, uh, I don't see any regime going forward doing that in Miami. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, on top of that, John, another name that's out there in the market right now, which is very unique, and I actually do have a question for you because I do not know this answer 100%. And I'm going to quote a tweet from you, and it's from uh, MLB's John Heyman. MLB <laughs> has notified our, our clubs that outfielder Saya Suzuki will be posted as of tomorrow morning, signing deadline 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday, December 22nd, with a potential work stoppage happening on December 1st. Yeah. What does that do to Suzuki? Yeah, that you wonder. Yeah, I'm not, we're not sure. You know, we're go, we're 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 continuing now until the work stoppage. But uh, you know, that certainly throws a crimp in things. I will say this: uh, you know, if they're able to work it out, uh, if the timing is okay, this is a terrific player, four-time All-Star, uh, five-time Best Nine player, three-time Gold Glove, right-handed hitting outfielder, and you know, for a while there was this thought that. Uh, the Japanese players coming over, the pitchers were better than the hitters. But I mean, look, Otani is a you know an all timer at this point. I mean, an MVP winner. Uh, you've got a Suzuki, Ichiro Suzuki, who's uh, going to be a Hall of Famer, three thousand hits, and you've got Suzuki, exactly. So yeah. you got three that became huge, huge stars. So I don't think we can think that anymore. And this is a guy who was in the uh, for the gold medal team, got two hits uh, in the. Final game against the U.S. and a really terrific player, only 27 years old. I've heard all the West Coast teams are in. Um, of course, that means everybody but Oakland. Uh, they're not in anything, but uh, and Texas has been linked to him as well. So we hope they figure it out, but you're right. It does throw a crimp into things, and I wish I could give you a real answer on this, but there's just so many unknowns. Uh, I know it's crazy, and, and it's a funny thing because I get asked this question. I've been getting this asked, asking this question about a dozen times since you posted that tweet, and the truth is I don't know the answer. I, I don't know. I can speculate and give you my thoughts, but at the end of the day, uh, December 1st, yeah, it's – it's going to be a hell of a wrench in the system. Yeah. And I will tell you this, and it's I, I hate that I'm bringing this, saying this twice in the show when I brought up uh, Correa earlier, but I also have played against Suzuki in the World Baseball Classic, and he is one hell of a baseball player, would huh. be an incredible addition to any team in the major leagues, especially on the West Coast. There are teams that immediately come to mind. The team that first jumps out to me would be Seattle. Uh, yeah. Maybe it might be the Ichiro Suzuki uh, yeah. Um you know, proximity, and, but it, it just seems like it would be a really good fit for a team that's right on the cusp. Yeah, Seattle, San Francisco, I've heard as well. So there are definitely matches uh, for Suzuki, terrific two-way player. And so he played against your team Israel. He wasn't psyched out by the match on the bench, I guess, huh? No, no, we lost that game. Uh, he Sorry. he seemed perfectly fine with the mensch on the bench, and you know, at that point, uh, the 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 lights had had gone down on us. At that point, we dropped the game before to the Netherlands. Unfortunately, uh, we beat them. The, we beat them the week before, but we beat yeah. we lost to the Netherlands, and we had to beat Japan in the Tokyo Dome. And if you've ever been to the Tokyo Dome, and you're going to play against the Jap Japanese national team, you do not have home field advantage. I can't stress this enough. No, They're, yeah, they have it. Well, I thought you, your team. Uh, overperform. You did a great job. The whole team did a great job. It was a great I, I story. You had a lot of fun. And the mensch was your idea. So mazel tov for you for that. And uh, really, it was a terrific story. And, uh, you know, if you had beaten Team Japan, it probably would have been like a Buster Douglas uh, Tyson uh, result. You know, I love the fact that you said we overperformed. We completely disagree. We thought we were going to honestly go to the finals. We were laughing when ESPN named us uh, 200 to 1 to win the champion, the tournament. And we just started laughing like, does anyone here not realize? Yeah, we're a bunch of 4A guys, but we're incredibly good. And we're about to beat up on all the stars. It was hilarious. I like and it. Then, 
Yeah, and we went up and we beat Korea. We beat Chinese Taipei. We beat Cuba. We beat the Netherlands. When we beat the Netherlands, that was when everybody started to really notice saying, uh-oh. And uh, that was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it's a, you know what? It's a time in my life that um, I will never not look back on with anything but the greatest amount of fondness. That's great. Um, but, you know, getting back to this last thing, we're going to finish it up with this. And that is simply this. We talked about these teams. We talked about the market. And we did talk about the big name teams. But we're going to talk about really the top dogs, which in, our, in my mind, the top dogs is a short list of teams. And it's really, in my eyes, four teams. And it's a little biased because it is on the East Coast and West Coast. But I'm going to talk about the Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, and Giants. What are the priorities for each one of these four teams? Uh, we'll start with the Yankees because I, I think I know them the best. The shortstop is the priority. Does that mean they're definitely going to sign Seager or Semyon, who I think are the two shortstops they're most focused on? No, uh, it doesn't. It means they definitely know they need to fill that position. I know they've liked Simmons in the past. You know, Joel Sherman mentioned the story, one-year deal. They're going to have to do it some way, somehow. And this is a nice list to work with. There's certainly a second and third tier here. But, um, you know, if they don't spend there, they'll look at uh, certainly a starting pitcher is a, is a second priority. They're going to have to sign somebody uh, out of that list, which, you know what, they're fortunate uh, to have shortstop and starting pitcher be their two top priorities. Uh, shortstop's the best list, and starting pitcher is the deepest uh, list. So they should be able to figure it out. They certainly have the wherewithal to do it. A left-handed hitting first baseman comes next. Uh, they want to bring Rizzo back. They liked him very much, but they also saw Brandon Belt took the qualifying offer, $18.4 million. Now Rizzo doesn't have the qualifying offer. That puts him in a little bit better bargaining position, but Brandon Belt's been fantastic the last couple of years. Rizzo, a little bit younger. Um, he may have trouble getting that $70 million four years that he had going with the Cubs, but... Um, you know, I'm certainly, I know he's going to look for it. You never know. Uh, Atlanta's still trying to figure out first base. There are other teams looking at first base. Um, perhaps the Red Sox would get involved at first base. So, you know, you wouldn't, I wouldn't want to rule anything out. But Rizzo makes sense. Uh, Olsen from the A's, uh, they're talking about it. Uh, my understanding is they're shooting for the moon. Can't blame them. Terrific player. Uh, hit nearly 40 home runs this year. And, uh, you know, I think that's a guy the Yankees are looking at as well. And they, of course, they're on the list with Starling Marte, who isn't. So that's my Yankee rundown. And uh, the Dodgers, we know, uh, they got a lot of good free agents. They've got uh, Seager, who they're trying to resign. They've got Scherzer. I think they want to resign him. And they've got Kershaw. Kershaw's going to end up with either the Dodgers or Texas, assuming he doesn't retire. And, uh, you know, we know they've got... Uh, Canable and Jansen, particularly in the bullpen. And uh, Jansen certainly loves being in L.A., and I think they'll figure that out. I know Philly and some other teams are interested, but I've got to think they're going to figure that out. Red Sox, uh, looking at middle infield, Baez is on the agenda. They're also looking at Schwarber. They'd love to bring him back. Um, that could be interesting for them. And who was the fourth team that you mentioned? The fourth team was the Dodgers, Giants, and the Giants. Giants. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that uh, Cobb, they're talking to Cobb seriously. So uh looks like they're going to get Wood and Cobb and DeSclafani, and they still have the offer on the table to Mats, who's got offers from the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, uh, the Mets. Uh, there's eight teams. You can look on my Twitter to get all eight teams. I don't have it in front of me. but uh, So they're looking at beefing up the uh, rotation and having a, a – good deep rotation behind Logan Webb, who, who 
really stepped to the fore this year. And uh, they're looking in the outfield. I mean, they've been linked to Castellanos. Uh, that's another team that's been linked to Marte. So uh, they may have a big signing there. And they got belt back on the very reasonable qualifying offer, $18.4 million. And, of course, we know they got Crawford done during the season. And uh, as I said, Crawford was second in MVP for me. So in fourth overall, so pretty good. Uh, Giants are off to a great start. They did a great year job last year, and they're off to a great start this year as well. Yeah, and I'm excited to see where this offseason is going to go. Of course, we have some interesting stuff looming, so stay tuned. Stick around. Make sure you're following us both on social media. You can follow me at Decker6, but more importantly, <laughs> especially with what's coming up, you better be following him at John Heyman. John, where else can people find you? Uh, well, I think that's the main place, but MLB Network, I mean, that's my big job. Uh, and, of course, Odyssey Radio, all the different stations from FAN, The Score, and uh, so I'm on there a lot, as are you. And, uh, and yes, Cody is very good at social media, as you could tell. Very funny guy. And, uh, very John, funny guy. stop it. Stop it. Stop yeah, it. Noah's Noah better. Noah, Noah's better. <laughs> well, as, among active players, Noah's the best. But among the retired players, think your media career is going to outstrip your major league uh, career. Oh, God, I hope so. That is a <laughs> low bar, John. Low bar. Appreciate it, man. And I, I, I thank you so much for joining me today, of course, here on Big Time Baseball. Make sure you follow the show, like, share, and subscribe wherever where you get your favorite podcasts. That's Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you'd like it. Of course, follow us on social media. And guys, enjoy your Thanksgiving and enjoy some baseball in any way you can. John, thank you so much, man. You're the best. Oh, you are. Great talking to you, right. Cody. You too, everybody. Be safe out there. Enjoy the holidays. Beat it.